Hi, this is Bill Crystal. I wanted to encourage you to take a look at my free weekly newsletter, which you can sign up for below while you listen to this podcast. Each Monday, I'll try to fill you in on what's happening behind the scenes in Washington, what I think is worth reading, and what the Weekly Standard staff is up to. And thanks for tuning in to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Stephen Hayes, who's on top of the story of what I think, Steve, the White House thought was going to be a tie the yellow ribbons around the old oak tree moment as an American soldier comes home and people are supposed to celebrate. The only celebrating I've seen, the uh, Taliban and Al-Qaeda are celebrating, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I think there are people who you know who know the family. There are people from... Uh, Idaho. From Bergdahl's, Bergdahl's hometown in Idaho, who are excited about the fact that he, he's come back, and just on a human level, you know, you're you're happy anytime somebody like that is is released, somebody who served his country is released. But I think what the White House failed to anticipate is that there would be serious and and substantial questions about the nature of his disappearance, and that many of those in his platoon would be eager to tell their stories, despite having been asked in what one senior defense official told me was highly unusual, despite having been asked to sign non-disclosure agreements. Wait, wait, wait. The people who were with, who served with uh, Bergdahl and the people who were out looking for him in the two weeks after he uh, somehow got away from his position, they were asked to sign non-disclosures? They were asked to sign, sign non-disclosure agreements. They apparently did not come directly from the military. Nobody I've spoken to can tell me exactly who issued them. Several people refused to sign them and apparently didn't face any punishment, but others who did sign them are now uh, deciding that they can just disregard those and are speaking to me and to others in the media. And what are they saying? Well, they're angry, uh, certainly. I mean, I think there's there's no question. While there seems to have been a question in uh, over the past several years about exactly what happened when uh, Bo Bergdahl disappeared from um, his outpost. There seems to be no question among his platoon mates. I mean, they say clearly this guy deserted. He left. Uh, he did it on purpose, and it, it caused uh, potentially several uh, soldiers to lose their lives, several others to be severely injured, and many, many others to uh, put their lives at risk. Uh, the uh, special forces crew that was trying to cordon off the area between where he had been serving and get, you know, stopping him from getting to Pakistan, uh, one of the reports I've seen said that the Taliban knew which way they had to go to try to find Bergdahl, and so they were able to place IEDs along the route. And the guys who served said, we knew we were getting blown up because we were looking for Bergdahl. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, there are... There, there, you know, I've, I've spoken to, I don't know, more than a dozen people probably between yesterday and today who were involved in one way or the other, either part of his platoon or part of the recovery and rescue operations. And, you know, they all, I think, to a person say that it was clear that uh, that they were being targeted in a way that they hadn't really been targeted before. Now, there may be a, wouldn't be an innocent explanation, but an explanation that stops short of suggesting that Bergdahl had, had either broken in captivity or was otherwise actively collaborating with his uh, with his captors with the Taliban and that would be um, you know they were running more missions 
they were doing more missions. These were missions that, in many cases, uh, regular military people there working primarily on hearts and minds operations were not were not doing on a regular basis, and thus were less prepared to do. Um, they had less time to prepare before they went out because virtually everything after uh, Bo Bergdahl disappeared, everything else stopped in that area in the Paktika province and was focused on this recovery, trying to find this guy. Uh, so that's the story of, of, of Bo Bergdahl. And of course, his father presents problems for the administration, tweeting out as soon after his son was released that he wanted more of the Gitmo detainees released and that God would have his vengeance on every child killed in Afghanistan. And I don't think he meant those killed by uh, you know other Afghans or the Taliban. And so you've got that political problem. But what about the problem of these five high-value detainees who now have been released to uh, Qatar? And pretty much people agree that within a year, they will be unleashed on the world. Within a year, uh, I would say that's optimistic. Um, Look, the the Qataris are not necessarily um, the best people to seriously track and monitor the activities of these folks, the Qataris, have been known to be funding uh, jihadists in Syria and elsewhere in the region. Um, in terms of, of tracking, virtually every Guantanamo detainee who's been transferred out of the prison uh, down in Cuba has been transferred with the understanding of the recipient country that there would be some monitoring, some tracking. And that has not prevented some 30%, almost 30 percent of those who've been transferred out of Guantanamo to to be either known or suspected recidivists. So these are these are some of the worst of the worst. I mean, this is not you know this is virtually everybody understands that these guys were on on the warning list about people not to transfer. They would be high risk to return to the battle, and they were transferred anyway. And uh, I think you have intelligence officials, including intelligence officials who would normally not be hostile to the Obama administration, scratching their heads and saying, what in the hell were these guys thinking? Well, maybe this is the plan to uh, finally you know, shut down Guantanamo Bay and simply negotiate away all the <laughs> detainees in bad deals with with the Taliban. Maybe that's a plan. But you look at Mohammed uh, Fazl, for example, who was the deputy defense minister for the Taliban. So this is a high-ranking member of the Taliban government who the UN says they want to get their hands on him because he's possibly committed war crimes with the wholesale slaughter of Shiites inside his own country. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, There there is another... uh, former Gitmo prisoner, I guess we have to call him now, mm-hmm. who uh, was known to have had an active role in working with the Iranian regime and Iranian intelligence services after 9-11 to facilitate the safe travel of Taliban and al-Qaeda fighters into Iran, um, also worked on weapons issues uh, related to the Iranian regime. Um, these are bad actors. If you go and you, you read their files as they were presented uh, via WikiLeaks uh, leaks, these are these are bad guys. It's not hard to imagine why intelligence professionals would call them among the worst of the worst at Guantanamo. Which brings us back to your city, your stronghold of Washington D.C., Steve, and how the calculations should be could be so off. Nobody was clamoring for the release 
of, uh, of Bergdahl except for his immediate family. His comments about the military, the negative comments, had been published. The Rolling Stone did an extensive piece. There were a lot of questions. You know, it's it's charitable to say that he maybe was captured due to inattention. It seems to be more you know in line with the facts to say that he left because he wanted to desert. Then you've got these really bad actors that if he were being if these five guys were being released to get back a real hero, Sergeant York. You'd still have problems with releasing these people. Then you right, add, exactly. and then you add all that together, Steve. And I was watching the uh, Susan Rice and uh, uh, Chuck Hagel. They were genuinely surprised. You could see on their face they thought this was going to be a hey, a home run for Team Obama. And look what we did. I don't think they got that reaction anywhere. Yeah. No. Exactly. Look, I I talked on the phone with um, Specialist Cody Full, who was. One of the ones who took to Twitter over the weekend, who had served in the platoon with Bergdahl and sort of tweeted out the story as, as he remembered it. I spoke with him uh, this morning, and he said that there's absolutely no question that what he did was desert. Uh, he told me what he did was not honorable. He knowingly deserted and put thousands of people in danger because he did. We swore an oath, and we upheld ours. He did not. I talked to the medic in the same unit, and specialist Josh Cornelson, and he told me, quote, he walked off, and walked off is a nice way to put it. Mm. So, I mean, if there's some question remaining as to whether he deserted or not, it's not a question in the minds of those who are serving alongside So once again, why did the Obama administration think that this was going to be a big win, and instead they now find themselves in a mess with very hard questions to answer. It's hard to see how American uh, interests are served by this, and it's hard to see how our soldiers in Afghanistan, while they remain till 2016, are any safer now that you could argue that there's a Gitmo bounty on each head. We'll grab someone and get some more guys out of Gitmo. I don't think there's any question that this makes it much riskier for uh, our military in theater. Um, I would argue that it makes it riskier for Americans generally. Mm-hmm. Um, if you now are, are in effect saying to the jihadists, look, here's what you need to do with it to get what you want, um, why would they take any message other than uh, the one that I think seems obvious? Okay, this is what we'll do. We'll go kidnap more Americans. This may be the way to get what we want. Um, so I think it sends a horrible message. I don't think I'm alone with that. I've talked to intelligence officials who have said exactly the same thing, are deeply concerned about what this means uh, you know, in theater and, and elsewhere. Um, I have no idea what the administration was uh, was thinking. It's clear that they thought that this was likely to be uh, a win. Um, if you go back to the Rolling Stone article that you mentioned, written by the late Michael Hastings back in June of 2012, uh, Hastings quotes a senior Obama administration official who says, in effect, and I'm paraphrasing here, but says, uh, look, if, if we can do this, if we can get him released, that could have great potential uh, for the election, especially in an election year. It could, it could really help. Um, and, you know, it, it's not as if this particular prisoner swap is something that the administration just thought up. This is something that had been discussed extensively uh, with the Taliban, either directly, uh, as some people have alleged, or through intermediaries. Um, this, this precise swap, Bo Bergdahl, for these for what people call either the Gitmo Five or the Taliban Five, I don't have any idea why the administration would have thought that this that there wouldn't be this kind of debate that we're now 
seeing uh, unless it was just a gross misread of sort of the mood of the country, which the president uh, reminds us is against the war, wants the wars to be over, um, or a misunderstanding of military culture. Um, but either way, we are now fully in the middle of this this debate, and I expect that we'll, we'll learn more and the debate will become uh, more intense and more heated as we go along. We look forward to your reporting on this, Steve Hayes, in the Weekly Standard magazine. Thank you for joining us for the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.